Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at ASHT.org. Welcome back to Hands in Motion. On this episode, we are joined by J.D. Ferreira, an occupational therapist who is spending three months volunteering as a hand therapist with Mercy Ships in Sierra Leone, Africa. J.D. shares with us what life is like living on the ship and caring for patients who have undergone surgery for their upper extremity. Welcome to Hands in Motion, J.D. Katie, welcome to Hands in Motion. We're excited to have you. And I will say, I think we've had someone from Canada, but I think you are our furthest away guest. So (laughs) being in Africa, which is pretty amazing and with the time difference and whatnot. So we appreciate you joining us. But why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? It's, It's an honor to be here. I'm very happy. It's a great experience. So a little bit about myself is my name is J.D. Ferreira. I am originally from the Dominican Republic, which is an island right next to Haiti. I have to say that because when I have told people here where I'm from, they're like, where is that exactly located? So I have to show it in the map. It's interesting. I live in New York. I've been living in New York for over 15 years. I graduated in occupational therapy about three years ago. And since I graduated, I have been working in the field of hand therapy, which is something I'm super, very passionate about. I was working at a hospital about two months ago, which I resigned to make this incredible experience of being here in Mercy Ships. Thanks again for being here. So tell us, what is Mercy Ships? Mercy Ships is an organization. They have the two largest medical ship working. They actually go to different countries in Africa. Right now, we are in West Africa, Sierra Leone. They're doing an entire field service for one year. So the ship will be here until June. Then now in January, they have what they call the Africa Mercy. Where I am right now is the Global Mercy. And the Africa Mercy is going to Madagascar to also serve for a year or two. So what they do, they provide free surgeries to people who need that. I have worked specifically with plastic surgeons, a lot of reconstructive surgeries. So they do a pre-screening process. Based on that, they select the patients. The patients go through surgeries. They go through outpatient, which is kind of like for the wound to heal. And after that, they go to where I am, which is the rehab department. It's free surgeries, ortho, plastic surgeries, eye surgeries. Those are the main big surgeries that they provide to people here in Africa. So how does the process work? How do you obtain patients? Do you go out into the community or is the community made known about the ship coming and docking? Explain that process to us. I was not part of that process. We come here and the patients are already selected. I believe that Mercy Ships comes here in advance, like a year prior, and they work with local governments, with hospitals, churches, and they do a selection of patients. So by the time that we, as the medical team gets here, there's already a list of patients that are going to be pre-screened and are going to go through the procedure of surgery and rehab. For this field service here in Sierra Leone, there was a very big list, and there's actually a waiting list of patients still needing surgery. So the goal for this upcoming year, which will be the field service year beginning after June, is for the ship to stay here for one more year to be able to provide surgeries to those patients on the waiting list. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. That will be two continuous years of Mercy Ships in Sierra Leone. What is the average number of patients that you're able to see? On a daily basis? 
it depends. At first, when they are in the whole surgery, maybe some patients were not able to see some patients because sometimes we have one complication, so we need to let the healing process be a little longer than what we are used to back home. But now when the wound has healed and we work on our ranges and therapeutic exercise, I would say I see probably like six to seven patients a day. Okay. What does your typical day look like from start to finish? (laughs) That's so funny. It looks different every day. Every day is different. When I first came here, the surgeon was still here. So a typical day would be we will go do war rounds with the surgeon, the nurses, the nutritionist, the rehab team, the wound care team. So I would say probably 10 of us from each department. We will go do war rounds. We will check on the patient and then the surgeon will tell us what to do. All right, we can start moving this patient. We can do a splint. We can change it. So we will take notes of what to do with each patient. Then we will go to the rehab department. We will talk about, we're going to see this patient. We're going to do that. Everyone has the patients that they're going to see. We never had specific patients. One day I will see one patient. Next day I'll see another patient. And then we actually work with what we call day crew, who are an amazing group of people from Sierra Leone because they speak Creole here. So we need translators. So with one of the day crew members do the word to speak to the caregivers because 95% of our patients are kids. Caregivers are here with them. So we will go to the words. Sometimes we will work with the patient and the caregiver in the words, or sometimes we will bring them to rehab. We'll do exercise. The first few weeks I was here, I have to say on a daily basis, I probably made six, seven splints. I feel like I never made so many back home in a day. So I think I have become a pro after this. (laughs) The very first few weeks was a lot of splinting. Then a lot of patients would heal. They will be discharged home. And then the patients that will have some regress, we would just start from zero. We will go to the worst of the patients. I'll bring them to rehab. So we'll be patient after patient. Sometimes we will have three patients at the same time. But with kids, it's a little easier because sometimes when we are doing therapeutic You can say we're playing a game, but there's so much more behind the game that we're doing. So I think that gives us the flexibility to work with three kids and have them work on their grips or pinch. They think they're playing and they are playing, but we know therapeutically they're actually doing something that we want them to do. How does that work for the patients when they come for the surgery? Do they, I'm assuming it's not just an outpatient thing. Do they stay there on the ship or how long do they stay there with you? The patients live here for the entire process from the moment they get surgery until they get discharged. The process will be they get the surgery, they go through outpatient. So outpatient here is the department that does the wound and the healing of the patient and follow up with their nutrition and always keep an eye and make sure the healing is going accordingly. When the healing has reached a point where the doctor said it's okay for them to start rehab, then we will see them, take them to rehab. And we most likely, some of them will see every day or two, three times a day. If the wound is totally healed, outpatient will discharge the patient. And then we will probably start seeing the patient on a daily basis so that we can accelerate and get them help and get where they want to get. We are the last department that discharged the patient. So I want to say I have patients that are here from day one and they're still here with me. I will probably be discharging some of those patients before I leave. And some will probably be staying because sometimes this complications, the wound will close and they will open again. So we have to start again. We work very close with the nurses to make sure that they are 100% because a lot of these patients leave three hours away, four hours away, so we don't have the flexibility to have them come back to the hospital in case something happens. I will say the minimum that patient will be here will be probably three, four months with a caregiver. I was going to say, do you include the caregiver in the rehab process? We always bring the caregiver with kid. 
I like to reinforce teaching them what I'm doing with a patient, why am I doing that for, so that the time that I'm going to discharge them home, they have seen the process and it's easier for them to carry because honestly speaking, two months of therapy might probably not be enough. So it's a lot of what they learn what we're doing with the patient. When I discharge them, we were doing this. I want you to continue the same at home because, you know, the patient has to still do scar management so that the scar can heal or range of motion. So all of us, we always work with the caregiver there at all times. It's nice to be able, I know a lot of mission trips, you know, your stay is short. So it's two weeks, three weeks, and then who knows what's going to happen after that once you leave. But having that extended time is nice both for you and the patient as well. Funny you say that because I feel three months is short. I feel like I should have been here for so much because as I said before, there are patients that are not fully ready yet. You think we do so much work here and you have that little concern in your mind. What's going to happen when you leave and when they go home? What if a complication comes and what when the moment when the ship is not here, how can they find care? A lot of these patients live in villages where they have no access to hospitals. A lot of the patients that we see, sadly, are little kids that have had burns that have never been treated. So the contractor, you can just imagine how bad it is. Then you think it's a lot of education about how to prevent a burn again. A lot of education about not to have their contractor resent again. So you feel like three months is not enough. I feel like I want to bring a whole team of hand therapists and be here for a year so that and help other people here, nurses and local healthcare providers to be able to help patients because sadly it's something that is going to probably happen again because of the culture or the kids being involved in the cooking and doing stuff. It's not something that's going to fix it all, but I think we can use more time, but I'm sure in the three months that I have been here, it's been amazing what we have been able to do for these patients. Do you have local therapists that you work with that if need be, they're able to at least come to the town there to be able to have some care? There was a physical therapist that came here about seven years ago. Her name is Anna. I forgot her last name, but she's from World of Hope. I'm not sure if you heard of the organization. She opened physical therapy department in the local children's hospital. I had the experience in my college to go to the hospital and see how they work and see all the materials they have and go to some of the houses and see how they work with patients with CP and other conditions. So that was great. But the limitation with that is that the patients that we see here, patients are coming from towns very, very far away and they don't have the flexibility to travel and continue that care that most patients will benefit from. Can you speak to some of the different procedures that these kids are undergoing or the other patients that y'all are treating? Back home, I don't work with this population. And even like that, I had an idea that I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to Africa, everything's going to be different. But then when I came here and I saw some patients, I was like, oh my God, it was very shocking to see. I'm going to speak about this particular case, which I'm actually going to be doing an in-service here in the hospital on Wednesday about him. This is one of the cases that just has gotten in my heart. So he had a snake bite when he was four years old. Now he's 12. I'm not sure exactly what kind of snake and how poison it was to create this contracture. But his wrist was totally just bent like to a 90 degrees where like the small finger was just touching the owner's side and he was just fixed in that position. And it was very sad to hear his story because he said he wasn't, he didn't want to go to school because he hand looked the forms and he didn't want to use his hands. And then when you see the magic, I call it, that the surgeons do and the hand just totally 
goes back to neutral and you're like, oh my goodness, that's just amazing. So the deformities that we have seen here are something that I have never seen and I don't even know if I will see them back home, but it's very sad. But I think it's interesting because you see those little kids with hand deformities. They have amniotic band, which I didn't really know about it until I got here. And they come to rehab with the biggest smile and they're so happy and they're playful. And and even if they have missing fingers, amniotic bands, they're still just finding a way to compensate and have fun. So that's something that is amazing, beautiful. And then it makes you kind of like look away from the condition that they have because, I mean, they're not the condition, but... It gives you this sense of like, when you go back home, it's so different. And this kid with this diagnosis are able to be happy and enjoy life and be playful. And it's interesting. Coming a little back to your question, the diagnosis that I have seen here and the work that the surgeons have done is something that I have never seen back home. It's been like, wow. What are some of the interventions that you're able to employ? I know when we were in Sierra Leone, we didn't have access to electricity. We couldn't bring a splint pan. We didn't have that availability out in the small towns we were in. So on the ship, what do you have access to that you can employ for these patients? Mercy ships, oh my God, it's such a blessing. We have everything. We have splinter materials, you name it. We have silicone sheets. We have the gel. We have a elastometer. We have compression gloves. We have an entire section just for compression and car management tools that are amazing. We have the cupping. We have weights. We have everything. Potty. So that does makes everything easier. And we have enough to, like when I have discharge patients, I give them enough supplies that can last them for a couple of months. So that's something that is very beneficial and it makes our work much, much easier. That's great that y'all have access to that and can give those to patients so that they can continue the work that they've been doing. Yeah, that's a blessing because, I mean, I don't know how you did it. That would have been very, We got real creative. Hard. <laughs> we did. We were blessed to have some supplies from some people in the States that donated, but we got real creative with our stick figure drawings of home exercise programs. And <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, we have a lot of supplies here and a lot of toys and tools that we can implement with the kids. And that's very helpful. Now, I don't know if you know, but who funds this? Is everything donated? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I don't really know. I just do know that during COVID, there was a lot of donations. We don't have the information as from where exactly. I haven't probably looked into that. But I have read and heard from other crew members here that is from donations. Tell us a little bit about the crew, knowing that this is a large ship. It's my understanding it's all volunteer run, correct? Tell us a little bit about the crew and what it's like being on a ship. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Where did I start? Okay, so the people here, there's a beautiful sense of community. So it's about 650 people. Whoa, I didn't realize it was that many people. That's a lot. It is a lot of people, a lot of people, yes. So we have a group of people, as I said earlier, which is the day crew members. They are locals who live here in Sierra Leone and they come here and work on a night to five, 10 to six basis. So they come and they go home. Then we have us volunteers from like all over the world who live here on the ship. So the ship has 12 decks, 12, 11. The hospital is on the fourth. And then on the third and the second, you have the engineering team. Then from the five up, you have the cabins because we leave, we work, we do everything here. We have a large dining room. So sometimes you say, I'm going to the dining room to grab coffee and then go back to my cabin to read. 
And you know that never happens because that's when you find someone and you start talking. And when you come to see, three, four hours have gone by and you're like, all right, I guess I'm going to read tomorrow. And probably that might not happen. But the sense of community is amazing. Everyone is just so welcoming. I remember my first day when I came out of my cabin and I didn't have my coffee and people were saying, good morning, good morning. I'm like, oh, okay, good morning. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee, but okay, that's how we're going to do it. <laughs> so I learned and you get used to it. And then the greetings here with the local people are like so long. It's just, how are you? How are you, buddy? Do you sleep fine? And how was your day? And I'm like, I okay, remember the, the house, the body, the body. house, the body. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, I'm like, okay, this is long, but I have gotten used to it. So everyone is so welcoming. Everyone is so friendly. Everyone is smiling. Everyone is like so happy. I don't know if I mentioned the organization is Christian. So I think everyone has a beautiful sense of God. And I think that that's something that you just see it and it's everywhere. And I think that's, I don't know, it's just like a joy that everyone shares and everyone has and that you can go anywhere. And if you need a little space by yourself, you have that because the ship is huge. But if you need a sense of community, you can easily have that. There's always something happening here. They have volleyball games, this games, this activity, worship nights. So sometimes there's so much going on that you're like, okay, what am I going to do? But it's always a sense of belonging and community that I think is just a beautiful thing. And everyone is always happy and welcoming. I haven't had, you know, like back home when you're working, I think we all go through that. And we have like those days like, oh, I just want to go home. I'm tired. I have not had one of those days here. And I'm very happy for that because I enjoy it. I think I'm going to probably have them when I go back home. Or maybe not. I don't have a job yet, but I'm not thinking that far. I'm like enjoying the present since I have three more weeks left here, sadly. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that your time was coming to an end quick. Coming to an end. Yes. I'm in the process of, I have in total maybe 13 patients left. And I remember when I first got here, it was a point where we had like 50, 40 patients. At that time, it was three hand therapists. So now I am the only hand therapist left. So we are in the process discharging the patients or becoming independent so just more of the maintenance process teaching them that's the saddest part when we have to say goodbye to patients do you have occupational therapists there as well or is it only ot hand therapists as of now me ot hand therapist prior it was my colleague who is actually from costa rica she's a cht and she's a pt pt cht yeah we work very well together are there other members of the rehab team? Is there a group doing, because you mentioned other orthopedic surgeries, doing physical therapy and follow mercy ships on Instagram and see the kids out on the deck walking and riding their scooters and whatnot. <laughs> so who all makes up the rehab team? So when I first came here, they were doing the plastic surgery. So the plastic surgeries are mainly upper extremity. That's like just shoulder, elbow contracture, everything is upper extremity. So that's where us as hand therapists have a lot more work to do. And there were a few physios that would work with the shoulder. And then plastic surgeries ended about three weeks ago. So there's no more surgeries for plastics. And now they started doing ortho. So ortho is only lower extremities, the bow leg kids, and those are only physios. So that's why now my term has ended because when I leave and my patients are discharged, there will not be a need for hand therapists because the ortho team will come and then they will do the lower limbs. And then by that time, the field probably will be finished. Okay. So they kind of stagger it throughout the year and focus on a certain area. 
We start with plastics and, and the rehab thing. We start with plastics and then after plastics, we'll do ortho and then maybe seven physios. I'm the only hand therapist and we have our team lead. She's from the UK. She's also a hand therapist, but she doesn't treat. She's the team lead for rehab. She does all of the putting everything together. And then once I leave, it will only be physios working with ortho kids for the lower limbs. What has your time in Sierra Leone been like? Oh my goodness. Did you get on a cake when you came here? I did not. We saw one, but I did not. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Watching them drive on those streets. I don't know. I was a little nervous <laughs> watching them <laughs> zipping in and out. I got on a cake with a friend and he was panicking. Tell people what that is. A cake is like a motorbike. Yeah, it's like a motorbike. It's like the tuk-tuk, I think, in India. I don't know if you have heard of it. They go pretty fast because if there's traffic, they're trying to avoid traffic. And sometimes you feel like they turn in and it's like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to make it. If you called Uber, that's what you'd be getting on. You'd be getting on a motorbike instead of a <laughs> in a car. <laughs> that's the Uber of Sierra Leone. <laughs> yeah. But the country, I have enjoyed everything. The beaches are beautiful. The people are so... I have sometimes we go outside for walks and I honestly, personally, in my experience, I have never feel unsafe. I have feel like everyone is and once they know you also part of mercy ships. Oh, my goodness. Everyone just cares for you like, oh, this don't go there. Do this. So I have felt very welcome and embraced by the country, not only because sometimes when we're on the ship, you feel like you're on this bubble and you feel like you're not really on the country because everything is so cater and comfortable here but outside it's different but the people are so loving and the places are so nice and the beaches and it's an amazing country i have grown so much love for this country and i remember when i spoke to karen she told me when she mentioned Sierra Leone, and i was like oh my god i have to tell her that i'm going there and she's like oh i love Sierra Leone." so she back home when you tell people i don't know if that has happened you're going to africa they're like oh my god be careful take your medications Oh my God, it's like a little panic in of like, okay, all right. And she spoke so highly of Sierra Leone and the people, how many times she has been here. So that gave me a little bit of tranquility. And then when I came, it just totally matched what she told me. She's absolutely right. This country is amazing. Yeah, I had that same reaction. People asked me, do you feel safe? Are you scared about going? And I wasn't. I knew that people had been there before and we had the support of the people we were going with. And I had that same reaction. The people there were very kind and very welcoming and had a wonderful experience in Sierra Leone. Well, wait, Carol, when you came here, do you stay on a village? We did. We first were in Bo, probably a couple hours away from where you're at in Freetown. So we were at a missionary training center there. And then we came to I think it was Waterloo or that area, just right outside of Freetown. So we stayed in a village there as well. That I have not experienced. I have not experienced overnight one of the places here. A lot of, of my friends here speak very highly of Banana Island. I don't know if you heard of it. No, I haven't. It's like a famous island here that has a lot of history. Haven't been there yet. I don't think I'll have time because there's so many things I want to do in three weeks. It's really not. I just have to come back for the next field service. So if any of our listeners are interested in completing one of these, I don't know what you would call it. Like being part of the field service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would they go about or how did you go about getting involved? I find out through a friend of mine, a colleague, because I saw her on her Instagram and then I did a search and I applied. If someone is interested for the next field service, since Mercy Ship is going to have two ships on Africa, as I mentioned earlier, one in Madagascar and one here again in Sierra Leone. 
So the needs you're going to have are going to be higher because they will have two sheeps working. You need to be either a physical therapist or an occupational therapist specialized in hand therapy for at least a minimum of three years. And then you apply, you log into Mercy Shapes, you send your information, and then they work with you in through like process of getting your physical exam, all your vaccines. Sometimes the process to apply to Mercy Shapes is a little bit long because there's so many people applying for so many different positions that sometimes it could be a little discouraged because sometimes I was emailing them and be like, hey, I need to know if I'm going to be coming to Sierra Leone because I need to resign my job and I need to buy the ticket. So that's a little bit, but I will not get discouraged because they do say that they have there's a lot of applications they have to process and then by the time you get here the experience is so amazing that you don't even remember that so i actually have a friend i first ever heard about mercy ships a friend of mine is a nurse at the hospital i work at and she actually lived on the boat for i want to say three or four years stephanie's gonna kill me because i yeah, don't I think remember you told me that. Yeah. yeah so are there opportunities for therapists for longer than a three month or is the shortest that a hand therapist would be needed is three months that has to be your shortest commitment but what is potentially the longest commitment that a hand therapist could provide Yes. So when I applied, the timing that they have was the minimum three months and the max one year. So you can stay longer. <laughs> and I was thinking like three months is a long time, but once you're here, it flies. It's amazing. It flies by. So yeah. And then for other positions like nurses, they sometimes do two years, three years and longer because there's a higher need for nurses. We do have a lot of nurses here. I did something similar, but not similar. I have been to my country, Dominican Republic, to volunteer. But as you were saying, those are like maybe four days a week, the most. And even though it was a little bit of hand therapy, it wasn't fully hand therapy. So when I log in into Mercy Ships and I see that they have big letterhead hand therapists needed, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so specific. I have never seen that anywhere. So I was like, oh, wow. So I think that was just a calling that I needed. And the three months, the time that I have been here until now, it has been hands, 100% just hands. And it has been an absolute experience for me that I am currently working to take the CHD in November. So you ladies, please wish me a lot of luck. Absolutely. Have you been getting some good study time while you've been on the boat? Not as much as I want, really. I'm going to be very honest. (laughs) Too many distractions from that community. (laughs) But I did bring my purple book with every now and then. But I have been studying as I go. I have been studying since I've been working in hand therapy. So hopefully I'm going to be ready in November. We wish you luck. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. What has been the biggest challenge providing hand therapy services on the boat? And what's been the biggest surprise or exciting part about it? All right, I'll start with the exciting part. I think I spoke a little bit about this is the kids. When I finished my school, I told myself I'm never working with kids. I love kids, but I'm not working with them. That's okay. So when I came here and they have those requisites and they say, okay, if you were with kids, we prefer that, but you didn't have to. So I was a little bit hesitant about it because I didn't know what to expect. I have never worked with kids before. So this is, has been the biggest highlight coming here, working with kids that is so hard to make a splint on a kid. One time I had to make a splint and I had to literally like just lay down on the floor to be able to get like an angle. God, please give me patience. Give me some way. So something we did and the team was we have a monkey that we named the monkey Moses or the Moses has splints. And then we tell the kid, hey, do you want something like that? I think that looks very cool. And we can put stickers on the splints. I never knew how important it was to print stickers to put on the splint. And kids will be like so happy with it. 
And that has been a highlight in my career because I never knew I could do that. So that's something that I will never forget. And then you're not going to have a kid do some wrist exercise 10 times up and down, up and down, because then you're going to lose the kid. The kid's going to be like, no. You are learning the foundations of pediatric hand therapy, which is what I do. So (laughs) come back to the States and I'm sure we can find you a job in pediatric hand therapy. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, did I go back home and did I want to work with adults? I might probably change my entire field and go with the kids. Amazing. And then you have this kid, for example, this kid couldn't move his thumb. He couldn't do a position. And then I teach him the exercises and he goes back home. When I say home, back to where he's staying here in the cabin. And he comes the next day. He's like, J.D., look what I can do. And he does that. And then he's so happy. And it's such a huge reward when you see that you're able to make the kid buy into what you're doing because he's now saying that he can move the thumb and he's happy about it. And he's now pinching. So kind of like mixing the therapeutic part of it and then the fun part of it with the kids and all together, I feel like it's something I wasn't sure I was able to do, but being here and having no choice but to do because I'm already here has been something that I'm very, very, very thankful for. I think I missed one of the questions. What did you ask me about? I went... The greatest challenge you've had. I Oh, the challenges. I think that could be a little challenge that I overcame, but I think a challenge for me is teaching the patients how to carry over at home because sometimes you tell the patients, I'm going to give you a compression glove. You can take it off and you can wash and they're like, oh, but we don't have water. And those things are a little hard because you're like, okay, what can I do in this case? So I think the challenge is how to make sure that I can give patients the best for when they go home. Because sometimes I think that's a little bit of a struggle still because we know the scar is still healing within almost two years. So I know we give them material for two, three months, but then after that, they're going to go back to cooking. They're going to go back to the same. And I think the likelihood of recontractor happening is there. Like I think that's the challenge, the carryover of the HEP and all of that and to make sure that they continue because at some point when they go to their village, I don't know that I don't think, but they will say like, oh, When I go to the village, you know, we have to work, we have to look for the water. So I don't think their exercise and their program is the priorities for them. Switching that mentality has been a little bit of a challenge. I think that's probably a global challenge, no matter where you're at, is, is ensuring. But I think what comes with that is there are different challenges at home. Your patients are cooking around an open fire or their jobs are very different even here in the United States, I mean, patients will say, well, I've got a family to take care of. I've got kids to run to this activity. I've got this job. I think it's a global sense in the fact of we all have different things that take up our time. And when we aren't focused hundred percent on that rehab. So when we do go back to our lives, life gets in the way, life happens and life gets in the way, but those activities or those requirements of life just might look a little different in Sierra Leone versus Dallas, Texas or New York city. Just accepting the fact that everybody has their own responsibilities and their life is very, very different than our lives here in the States. And just to appreciate that, I think it's important. Also, like a little bit, not like a challenge, but something that we came across and we have to modify as we were going is the assessments that we do at home, the functional assessment that we do the dash and doesn't really translate to what the patients do here. So they, you know, how they wash their clothes with hands and they carrying water on their head and all of those things. So we're like, okay, I think the dash is not going to be the best assessment here. So we just have to, what we did, we recorded our patients pre-surgery, doing activities like washing clothes, carrying a kid on their back as they do with the cloth. 
and washing dishes because that's what they do, cooking and doing everything that's meaningful to the caregiver. Because when we ask the caregiver, what do you want the kid to be able to do when they go home? Seldom they say it. school, it was cook, do this, do that. So we have to, of course, validate and respect that. So we have to make that our functional goal and be able to see how the limitations that they have and then how we can help them post-surgery and post-rehab and so that they can do those things that are meaningful to the family. It was a little bit of a challenge, but we just have to work with them and know what's important to them because as a hand therapist, as my background as an OT, I think we both agree that it's important to respect and always know what the patient wants to do and help them get that way. So that took a little time for us, but we were able to work with that. And it's so cute when you see this patient, like this patient with the pre-video of like cleaning a table, he couldn't do it because his hand was not in a position to do it. So he used the other hand. And then we did the video yesterday so we can use it for the AIM service that we're doing. And he was able to do it. And he was like, oh, my heart was so happy. And he was happy. And I showed him the video before and after. He was like, oh, I can't do it. And he was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. So that was more meaningful than having like a dash score number. Those are little challenges that we encounter. But we have the flexibility to adapt and make changes based on the patient's need. Well, this has been fantastic. I'm really excited that you've been able to do this for the past almost three months total. And I'm sad that your time is coming to an end. I appreciate you sharing your experience with us. And I hope that this brings light to opportunities for hand therapists in Africa with Mercy Ships. Amazing. I would love to have my information shared so that if people are interested in applying here, it will be amazing to have I was the only hand therapist from the States. There were two from Australia, one from Costa Rica, and just me. So we need more people to the state. And I don't know if you guys know, like the headquarters of Mercy Ships is in Texas. Yeah, it's just a couple hours east of me. Yeah. So we need a lot of Americans here. Thank you. I just want to say thanks for donating your time to speak with us, but also in all the work that you're doing. It is greatly appreciated. And representing us here from the United States. We appreciate that. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. It's an amazing experience to be here as a hand therapist and share everything that I have learned. And it's an experience that I highly, highly recommend. And just quickly, a lot of people, my friends that I have back home will be like, oh, you're going there for three months and then what's going to happen? You don't have a job and you're volunteering your time and you're not going to have an income. But when you're here and you're doing the service and you see the kids smile and you see how much work you do, that's the last thing you think. You just think you'll go back home and work and get money again. That's okay. But this is an experience that I highly recommend. So if anyone is interested, let me know and it can be more of us here. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. You can listen on the ASHT website, and or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Once subscribed, please rate and review the podcast to help us reach new listeners and to continue offering valuable, relevant content. You've been listening to Hands in Motion, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit ASHT.org. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast.